nice to see so many of your faces and names over the last two months, really. A number of people have participated. I remember when Ron Lindong first announced that he would do the pilot retreats online, and I thought, oh, that's great. What a great opportunity. I so much enjoyed going to Lakemont and doing the retreats, and I'd usually go for two weeks at a time. But to have the opportunity to go month back to back, month to month, and participate has been great. And I decided I'm going to dedicate the, this time to really spending more quiet time and using these private retreats as a time to be more reflective. So it's been really beneficial, and I thank Ron for that. That's been great. Makes me happy to see so many people participate as well. For this uh, afternoon session, I thought I would read a poem. It's a poem on spiritual enlightenment. Uh, and when I read it, it had a lot of relationship to our Kriya Yoga and Yoga Sutra uh, practices that we do. So I thought it would be a good leverage point to give us a little different um, words to think about and yet still go over our practices. This is a, a poem written by Hafiz, who was a Persian poet who lived in the 14th century and wrote many, many poems about spiritual enlightenment. And I read that he uh, practiced Sufism, and he was a Sufi master, and it took him 48 years of his practices and disciplines before he experienced cosmic consciousness. And I thought that kind of, it was, I was reminded of um, Paramahansa Yogananda's story about the sleepless saint. It's a chapter in autobiography of a yogi that you might recall. And uh, Yogananda wanted to go see this sleepless saint because he had heard that he had secluded up in the mountains for some 28 years and practiced meditation, long meditations, 12 to 16 hours a day. And he reached a point where he no longer required sleep, so he was known as the sleepless saint. So Yogananda got a visit with him, and in their discussion, the saint mentions to Yogananda that after 48 years of devotion to God and long meditations, he hoped that at the end, God would see him in good favor. And Yogananda was kind of taken back by this and said, Dear sir, do you mean that after all those years of meditation and devotion to God, you would have any doubts? God's good favor? What about us poor mortals? And the sleepless saint said, my dear boy, don't you understand God is infinite? And do you really expect to know everything about infinity in a few short decades? And then that story reminded me of Roy Eugene Davis and how he dedicated 70 years of his life to Kriya Yoga and the spiritual path and the truth teachings. And over all the years that I was Roy's disciple, he never ventured off the Kriya Yoga path and the truth teachings, always being consistent, using the Yoga Sutras as a base of discussion points for disciplines, but he always remained faithful. 
to my point really about those three stories is that once you find your spiritual path, it's a lifetime commitment. You're on that path, you're on those practices, you're on unfolding for the rest of your life. It's, a, it, it, it's just a lifetime commitment. The poem that I'm going to read is entitled, Now is the Time by Hafiz. Now is the time to know that all you do is sacred. Now, why not consider a lasting truce with yourself and God? Now is the time to understand that all your ideas of right and wrong were just a child's training wheels to be laid aside when you can finally live in veracity and love. Hafiz is a divine envoy whom the beloved has written a holy message upon. My dear, please tell me, why do you still throw sticks at your heart and God? What is it in that sweet voice inside that incites you to fear? Now is the time for the world to know that every thought and action is sacred. This is the time for you to deeply compute the impossibility that there is anything but grace. Now is the season to know that everything you do is sacred. So clearly a, a poem on spiritual enlightenment. And when I first read the poem, just the opening statement associated me with the Yoga Sutras. Um, they both start off now. Now is the time to know that all you do is sacred. And the Yoga Sutras in the very first verse opens up with now instruction begins in yoga. And in reading Roy Davis's commentaries on that, he says the word now means it's auspicious. So it's beneficial to us, it's positive, it's going to be supportive. And certainly in the Yoga Sutras and in this poem, now is the time to know. What we're wanting to know is our true nature, the reality of God. And we begin to look at the concept of God as presented in the Yoga Sutras. And the knowledge of God can come in two ways. One of them is to have the concept first and the concept that we identified with could be from childhood. It could be your religious upbringing, but the concept grows. And the Yoga Sutra tells us that God is pure awareness, pure consciousness, pure being. And of course, being around the truth teachings, Roy would use different names to try to articulate and express this concept of God, the ultimate reality, the infinite, the unbounded field. So we try to express it in different words, but the real knowledge comes from direct experience. And the direct experience can be had once we learn our to be disciplined, build a foundation, and then go within. Because 
the awareness, our true awareness, our pure awareness, can't be identified with the senses. You can't know it through the senses. You have to go within, deep within, in this, into the silence and experience that point. And we, when we really consider pure awareness, pure being, pure existence, the, the pure means it's not filtered with anything. It's not mixed with anything. It just is that. It is being. It is awareness. Nothing else. No thoughts. No mixtures. No delusion. No fluctuations of any kind at all. It's just that pure existence being. From that, the pure being has an expressive aspect that begins to generate cosmic forces, energy, light, time, space, and manifestation begins to unfold. And we have the manifestation, the creation of the universe, of our planet, and of us individual units of that pure awareness. So we come from that pure awareness, we are that pure awareness, but we're individualized units of it. And because we've come to be trained and learn how to identify with the outer world, we forget our connection, we forget our pure essence, we forget that what we are is spiritual in nature. And we begin to identify with our own personality, with our own characteristics, and we don't take time until we somehow come across our spiritual path, our enlightening way, and reconnect again. And that reconnection means being dedicated and being committed on your spiritual path and your disciplines. This pure essence is so subtle we talked, I mentioned it can't be known through the senses, but it's subtle, and yet it permeates everything. It is everywhere. It is in us. We are that pure essence. And we want to come to identify with that again, to unfold, to be, have it revealed to us. And that is the truth about who we are. So now is the time to know means... Now it's, it's a positive, beneficial time to be studying, to be looking at the concept of God and to come to know our sacredness. The next line says, now why not consider a lasting truce with yourself and God? And when you look at a truce, a truce is an agreement to stop doing something. So our truce is, I am going to stop identifying with my personality and characteristics, and I'm going to stop seeing myself as separate from God. So, and it's a lasting truth. Here's your lifetime commitment again. It's a lasting truth that you will never, ever, ever, ever see yourself separate from God again. So we hold on to that truth and we practice it. It's obviously, you know, so easy to forget the truth about us because we have been so involved in our outer world and our society kind of demands that we pay attention to 
who we are, what we do, how we act, um, and identify with that as being the solid truth about ourselves. And yet it is not. So we have to make this truce. And you remember that what you want to do is live from the essence of who you are, that eternal, that changeless, that birthless, that deathless, pure beingness that you really are. So that's our truth. Our truth is we will never, ever see ourselves separate from God again. And then the next line, now is the time to understand that all your ideas of right and wrong were just child's training wheels. And this verse reminded me of um, the Yoga Sutras again, particularly the chapter two that talks about our disciplines and the restraints. And these are our training ground for developing the solid foundation we need in order to live the highest life possible and to be preparing ourselves for our revelation of this pure essence of being and this oneness. Because we, so many of us have identified in the past that we're human beings, and in fact, the way to look at it from this truce that we just made is that we are spiritual beings expressing as a human being and not the other way around. We're not human beings trying to become spiritual because you already are spiritual. That's your true nature. So always affirm, I am a spiritual being expressing as this human being. That's the reality of what we are. Now, the Yoga Sutras um, talk about the restraints and the disciplines that we have to practice. And Roy Davis would always say, build a strong foundation for yourself with the right living disciplines. And I'm going to briefly mention those disciplines and the Yoga Sutras cover them. And Ron Lindon, by the way, if you've been listening in the morning, covers them in a lot more detail. So uh, if you want to dive deeper, keep listening to Ron. He's doing an excellent job of covering all the main essentials with fine detail. So Roy would say, build a strong foundation. First, take care of your body. You know, eat right, eat nutritionally, feed the body so that it can be in good working order. Do some physical exercise, some level of movement. Roy Davis would often recommend um, Hatha Yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, walking, brisk walking. He personally liked to swim and would do some weightlifting. And I remember one point we were talking and he was explaining how he lifts the weights and how much weights. I'm sure if you've been at one of his retreats, he talked about, I lifted 2,000 pounds today, you know. I do so many rounds and reps of so much weight and that totals 2,000 pounds. So one time we were talking and he said, do you do any weightlifting? And I said, you know, I do. I, I go to the gym and I work on machines. I don't do dead weights, but it works the muscles just enough for me. And he said, 
when I, when you leave the gym, do you just feel a little taller and walk a little bit lighter? And I had a kind of smile because I said, yeah, I do. And he says, well, that's it. You want to just exercise until you feel good. So he wasn't one to push excessive exercising. It was just to move the body to keep it healthy. So we eat right, we exercise, we rest. He would, uh, Roy Davis would always recommend going to bed uh, no later than 10 o'clock, go to bed early, wake up early. And we know that you get into a natural rhythm with nature when you go to bed early and you rise early. And there's a lot of research now about um, getting into the deep states of sleep and making sure that you attain that sleep where they call the, uh, the um, no, I've forgotten what it's called, but it's a state where you have no movement in the body. And that's when the body cleanses itself, the brain uh, heals the body. And so you want to make sure that you do the rest cycle so that you're reaching that deep state of sleep. Uh, also, uh, Roy Davis would say, don't create a lot of stress for yourself. And a lot of that comes with the disciplines that we practice of really controlling the, the uh, thoughts and the emotions. And the one nice thing to know is that you can control a few things in this life, and it happens to be your thoughts and your emotions and your actions. You can make decisions about how to be. So Roy Davis always said, you know, if you're going to have your thoughts floating up in there, make sure that they're positive, they're inspiring. They are constructive thinking about yourself and other people. Same thing with your feelings. You know, you, you want your feelings to be inspired, motivated, uh, happy, content. And those are the things you want to focus on. We've all had experiences where, you know, those um, little stinking thinking comes along and you're feeling guilty or you're feeling remorse or a little sad and, oh, God, am I bored, you know. That kind of thinking you want to catch and you want to be aware of what your self-talk is and you want to move to a different level of positive thinking. And it's often said that what you are is inside with the reflections of your thoughts or emotions. You actually have the experience in your outer conditions. So... If you want to have the best built foundation, you need to catch yourself, be aware of your thinking process, of your feeling process, and make sure that if you're in that stinking thinking element, move it to the positive. Uh, you can redirect it by, you know, memorizing an affirmation, saying a mantra, just shifting it into a positive thinking. You know, I am a self-realized eternal being, I am healthy, I am happy, I am confident, I am knowledgeable, just shift it. And you will find, I can. this is a money-back guarantee, you will find that if you practice observing your thoughts and your feelings, you'll catch them quicker and you shift them faster. And then before you know it, you're floating into the positive aspects. 
The more you practice, the easier it gets and the better you unfold. And then the Yoga Sutras talk about um, what, what I believe Roy termed ethical living. You want to be an ethical person. And so the restraints come in and they talk about practicing harmlessness. You obviously don't intentionally want to harm anybody or anything. You don't want to hurt feelings. You don't want to harm animals. You want to take care of the planet, the environment. You want to do all those positive ethical things of being harmlessness. And then there's non-stealing, and that's kind of self-evident. You don't want to be taking things that belong to somebody else. That is not building good consciousness or ethical living. And truthfulness is in the third um, restraint. So truthfulness, you always want to be telling the truth, no lying, and no even exaggeration of your story or circumstances to make a little bit more drama. That, that, that's not good either. And truthfulness to me also is a point of speak the truth of who you are. You're a spiritual being. That's the truth of you. So we go back to that lasting truce with God. And that is that we always want to recognize that our true nature, our pure essence of being is what we are, not the personality, not the characteristics, not the roles that we play. And then the, the next one is using your vital forces appropriately. When you're given all this divine energy and you want to utilize it for right purposes. And this for me, encompasses everything that we do. You know, you don't want to eat poorly. You don't want to be eating a lot of junk food on a regular basis because that's burning your vital life forces inappropriately. Thinking and feeling optimistic and positive, that's appropriate use of your vital forces. So everything that you end up doing, um, you know, you don't want to spend too much time on your game playing or watching television, that's, a, that's an inappropriate use of your vital forces. So everything that you do, you want to look at and say, is that constructive? Is that the way I want to use my energy, my vital forces? Does that benefit me and the ethical, highest good living purposes that I can do? So you want to use those vital forces appropriately. And then non-attachment is the last one. You know, do not become overly attached to objects and to people. Uh, that again is, is reinforcing the outer mundane world. And I think the last, um, oh, I don't know, number of years, Roy began to use this term, uh, making sure that it's dispassionately objective. And I thought, wow, that's a real interesting phrase of, of words, dispassionate, you know, not meaning do not have strong feelings toward something because the feeling nature will pull you out into the mundane world instead of keeping you centered and balanced. And being objective is having the logic and rational perspective of it. And a um, good example of this dispassionate objectivity is 
think about if you have this solid foundation and you've been practicing these disciplines and think of what is the worst thing that could happen to you so that that foundation is so strong you don't lose your sense of identification with the real nature. So we've had, I, th I think, you know, one of the worst things that can happen is to lose a loved one. Now, do you stay dispassionately objective? You can love them unconditionally, but not with all this feeling nature that takes you to a long grieving process and sadness or depression if they've walked away from you. Um, and, and or you lose all your wealth. What if you lost everything you had? Would you still have that strong foundation built so that you don't identify strongly with the mundane world and know that God provides, God maintains, God sustains, and the wealth isn't what makes you who you are. So that's the kind of strength and foundation you want built. Hafiz then wrote about Hafiz is a divine envoy whom the beloved has written a holy message. And that's an interesting line too because Hafiz obviously is writing for centuries that, that uh, his poems have sustained the message. But the reality is, is we all have a divine message written within us. And we all need to display that divine message. And all of us, each of us, are equally spiritual. You're no more spiritual than I am, and Hafiz is no more spiritual than we are. We are all spiritual. When God divvied out the spirituality, he divided it equally among all of us. So we all need to tap into that. And our message, the way it can be delivered out into the world, is by our behaviors, our examples, and the highest living being we can possibly exude through our sacred divine being. And that's our message out into the world and, and realizing that we're all spiritual. Then Hafiz goes on to say, now is the time for the world to know that every thought and action is sacred. And as God created this world, it's an evolutionary process for each one of us and for the world. We all will, at some point, be brought into God realization. The evolutionary process will get us there. And as Roy Davis used to say, don't wait till that time, though. You can accelerate that. You, begin, you can become self and God realized now. Why wait? Why not live in the highest way possible? And if you do your disciplines and your practices and you meditate deeply into the silence, you too can be self-realized and God realized. So don't wait until the evolutionary process draws you back into God-realization. Choose to do it now. Work on yourself, and you can be that little influence in the world. And the world 
will be better off because of your influence. You can be like that little stone that gets thrown into the still pond and you make little influential waves that the world will be better off because you will touch somebody and that individual will be better off because of your consciousness and because of your clarity and how to live life the fullest. And then there's the next line. This time is for you to deeply compute the impossibility that there is anything but grace. So grace is life-enhancing experiences. They are the good fortune, the favor that God bestows upon us. And I remember years ago, Roy had created these um, coffee mugs, these, these coffee cups, and it said, God is every good thing. And I used to love that mug, and it was like, yes, now that is grace, every good thing. And it doesn't have to be a um, big thing. You know, if you inherit $10 million, God bless you, that's God's grace, and that's good. But sometimes it can be just offering or receiving a smile when you just needed some good vibes and good feelings or a soft touch or a good hug in times of, when times are challenging. Um, it can be a referral, a referral to material you needed, a message you needed, um, information, a, a referral to a job. It can be anything that is a favor and of good fortune for you, and that is God's grace. And we always should be open to God's grace and being grateful for that. So the, the message here is know your concept of God as pure being. Know that you, your pure essence is that, is that pure essence of being pure beingness, that is what you are. You are a spiritual being. And your purpose here in life is to be self-realized and God-realized. And Roy would say, and you can do it. All you have to do is build your foundation through the disciplines and go quietly within and you connect with that pure essence, that pure beingness, and you bring it that clear awareness, not mixed with anything, and you live from that point of view at all times. So I uh, thank you for being with us this afternoon, and I guess uh, those of you who will join Ron Lindong in the morning, I will see you then. The rest of you, go out and demonstrate your highest and best self throughout your life.